Well, we are in the final week of this message series called The Blueprint. We've been looking at Matthew 28, 19, verses 19 and 20. And so these verses are called the Great Commission. These are key verses in the Bible that tell us what God wants us to do if we've surrendered our lives to Jesus. If, if he's the boss of our life, he's the, the Lord of our life, then these words are his final statements that he gave to his followers, instructing them on what to build their lives around. These things guide us, um, in my opinion, like no other verses in Scripture, because these give us our assignment, our mission. And so um, let's revisit these verses up on the screen. And we've looked at the first two kind of core ideas in this uh, series, but we're going to look at the last one. But we'll look at the whole thing here. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Not long after that, he ascends into heaven, and, you know, we have this mission given to his followers and to those of us who are his followers today to guide us. This tells us what we're to build our lives around. If you look at these verses again, just to briefly review, um, the central command, the verb, the main verb in this passage is this phrase at the top, make disciples. That that in the Greek is what drives the emphasis of, of this passage, making disciples. There's a part, there's three participles that we've been looking at. A participle functions kind of as a verbal adjective, and what it does is it it might modify words, but in this case, the word go, the word baptizing, and the word teaching are three words that are all connected to the command to make disciples. One, you have to go to them. You don't stay hunkering down with a life and just privately trying to live. You can't make disciples if you do that. You actually have to go to people. You have to cross the street, cross the neighborhood. You've got to cross town, or some people cross the ocean in order to make disciples. But regardless of where, the point is not location. The point is make disciples. The scope, though, he gives us is of all nations. He wants us to be reaching out beyond this place, this town, this state, this country. He wants all nations to bow before him. And so we get a picture in Revelation 7 of a multitude gathering of all the nations. And so we see what God is going to do through us joining him. Um, But go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Then we looked at last week, baptizing. So the first part is make disciples. That's his plan. The key part of making disciples is once you've become a disciple, then you switch over in your plan for living and you start making disciples. And he's going to, a disciple does whatever he demands, whatever he, um, you know, lays out for us. He may tweak things in your life. Last week we looked at, the importance of baptism, which is really the second part of this, is baptism. And so that's when you go public. Baptism is it's an outward symbol of an inward decision to live life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a personal declaration. It's also a public announcement. You're declaring personally, hey, I have become a Christian. As an individual, I'm a Christ follower. I've decided, I've chosen this life to follow him as Lord but then also, I've not kept it inside. I've announced it publicly. I've, I've, I've told people about it. I've invited people to celebrate. Baptism is a picture of a spiritual reality. The death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus is what we see played out. It's kind of like a drama we talked about last week. How when you see a baptism, what you're seeing is someone is kind of acting out the drama of what Jesus has done. So a person being baptized, they're standing there, and they, they in a sense, die to their sins. They go under the water. They're buried 
just as Jesus was, he was crucified, he was buried, he was raised to walk in a new life. And so we see this drama every time we see a baptism. We celebrate what God has done in our lives in that picture. That's found in Romans chapter 6, the idea of this spiritual reality. But today we're looking at this final part of this, these verses where it says, teaching them to preserve all that I've commanded. This is where it gets real for us. This is how we make it real. We don't just talk about following, but we turn his commands and his example into reality in our lives. We start living it out. We start learning how to live life his way from his perspective. When Jesus told his disciples to observe all that I have commanded you, he was showing us how to focus all of our teaching and all of our training. Anytime we're instructed at church or in a small group or anytime we feel like God's teaching me something through the Bible personally, he's not just teaching us so that we would learn more, but he's saying you have to focus all of your teaching and training on observing what I've commanded. So you learn so that you can do something with it. We're not just told to just add Jesus' teachings to the collection of ideas that are already swimming around in our head. And I see this happen. People have all sorts of philosophies and religious beliefs, and they hear about Jesus, and they just kind of plop the idea in there, and it kind of swims around along with everything else that's swimming. But his followers, he says, actually put his words into practice. This guides their life. A blueprint, the reason we looked at, we called this series The Blueprint is because a blueprint, it actually guides instruction, or guides construction. Um, I studied to be an architect in, in high school, and I got really interested with the detail of, of laying out plans. And I have a picture of a couple of uh, blueprints here, but notice the detail on, this, on these blueprints. Notice the fine detail. To build the right structure, you have to be careful with the details, don't you? to make sure you check carefully the measurements. You have to look at, you know, are these lines broken? Are they solid? What, and those who interpret these plans, they know exactly what they mean, but they're looking very carefully. Without a blueprint, you might, if you're a contractor, without a blueprint, you might have all the supplies, you might have a crew, the people, maybe a lot of energy to build, but you're left guessing on what you're going to actually construct if you don't have a blueprint. You need the blueprint. Even if you have a picture in your head, of what you want to build. Without a specific blueprint, a plan on how you're going to build, you're just stacking up lots of material that may not amount to anything. And so the blueprint is, is, is critical. The accuracy of the blueprint determines the quality of the construction. The same is true in life for all of us. The quality of whatever our life blueprint is, whatever we're building on, that's going to determine the life we will build the good thing, I mean, the truth is we each have freedom to choose. We can choose the blueprint for our life. We get to choose. Nobody's pushing a blueprint on you of what you're going to build your life about. But whatever you choose will determine the life that you live. And that's, that's a sobering thought, I think, because of all the detail that goes into building a life. It's important for us to actually consider which blueprint am I actually building my life on. What kind of life do I want to build? Is this blueprint that I choose, is it going to get me through all the ups and the downs of life? Am I, have I chosen the right blueprint? I'm calling this passage in Scripture the blueprint because it lays out the core priorities for a person who's chosen to follow Christ. Of all the things the Bible teaches, these three verses lay out our assignment. And this is the blueprint. God says, hey, build your life on this. This is a solid foundation. I want to play an audio clip of a common blueprint for life that many people have. It's from our culture. It's... It's a song from Miley Cyrus, who, it's a song called We Can't Stop. Now, this is the blueprint from our culture. 
And Miley has come a long way since Hannah Montana. And she's no longer farming on, in Montana, you know, with cows and, you know, modest clothing. We're, we're not showing you a video. We're just going to show you. We couldn't show you a video. All we can show you is the lyrics. And now this is a blueprint for life. This is, this is available to you in a sense. This thinking is available to you. You choose the blueprint, but it will determine the quality. So let's take a look, or let's listen. We're not taking a look. <laughs> let's listen in to Miley's blueprint for life. So. It's our house, we can love what we want to. It's our song, we can sing if we want to. My mouth, I can say what I want to. I mean, I know you've heard this song probably. Some of you have probably heard this song. And it represents a blueprint of how people think life works. And it's kind of catchy, you know. <laughs> you get the song in your head and you're just, ah, oh, this is catchy. And so we get drawn in by the message behind it. All of a sudden we're singing it, we're thinking it, we're building a life on this blueprint. It's catchy, but it's describing a certain attitude. It's describing a pursuit in life. You can't, it's, it's like, don't tell me. The, the, the blueprint says you choose. I choose my own path in life. There's no one ruling me. I'm not submitting myself to anyone. That's what the blueprint is saying. You do what you want to do. Kiss who you want to kiss. It's party with, with who you want to party with. It, there's no boundaries, no limits. There's no, there's no right or wrong. I define that. That's the blueprint that she's describing. And... We tend to think that one blueprint is as valid as the other in this world. But the truth is, the test shows up over the years, doesn't it? Over a long period of time, what's really going to last? What's going to bring the best outcomes? We look back to God's blueprint. This final verse in the Great Commission gives us, what it gives is a lifelong focus. Take a look again. It says this. It says, for the disciples, the new disciples, they need to be teach, we, as a church in a sense, we need to be teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. To do this, if we're going to be learning to observe all that Christ has commanded, then what we have to do is we have to keep going back to check on the blueprint. We have to make sure we get the details right. And that's, that's a real difficult thing because over time as the pressure of life increases, the strong pull to just gloss over the details of, of His blueprint is there. We oh, just gloss over it. And then what we do is we start revising God's plan. We start noting our own things. Oh, I'm going to add a few things to this plan. This is a good plan, God. Plus this, plus this. We start revising God's plan and gloss over His fine details. But just as builders must really carefully follow the details that the architects have, have drawn out, we need to be careful in the same way. To get into the Bible for ourselves, we're accountable. If we're Christ followers, we're accountable to get into the Scripture for ourselves and get to know just what Jesus 
has commanded his disciples to do. Now, this is critical. Jesus says, teaching them to observe. The word observe means to keep on or to guard or to watch. It can even mean obey. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded. But the idea is that you guard something so that you won't lose it. You keep your eye on it. You don't let it out of your sight. All that I've com- We keep our eyes on all that Jesus has commanded. We do those things. Now, I've been going to church nearly all my life, and many of you probably have done the same. If you've never, you know, if you've never felt the, the tension on, man, I know, I know what I need to do, but I don't want to do it. I mean, I felt that many times. For me, the challenge is not, I need to learn more, I need to learn more, I need to learn more. The challenge for me is, I need to obey what I've already learned. Jesus wants the pattern for our lives to be learning and then doing. Learning, then responding. Learning, then responding. It's okay if you don't understand everything about Scripture. Just do what you know He he wants you to do right now. You need to keep learning, but you need to learn and then respond. Look at this quote from Elizabeth Elliot. She says this, Most of our difficulties are not with what we don't understand, but with what we do. God, I don't understand all of that. I can't understand this part of the Bible. And he's saying, just take the next step. That's pretty clear. Yeah, but I don't understand if I do this and just take the next step. But what's that next step for you? Is it, is it I mean, I, I need to go public. I need to be baptized because he's asked me to identify myself as one of his followers. Take the next step. That's a clear step. What's the, what's the next step? Rather than just getting caught up in, you know, the things that are obscure, focus on what you, what you know to do. Whenever we choose Jesus' blueprint and we learn to obey, good things start happening. doesn't mean you won't walk through difficulty, but what you find out, and this is in your outline, is that when we choose Jesus' blueprint and learn to obey, He shows us more of Himself. He starts revealing who He is to us. John fourteen twenty one. from the, light, the last night that Jesus, uh, you know, the, the night before He died, Jesus said this to His followers, Whoever has My commands and obeys them, He is the one who loves Me. He kind of separates everyone. He says, look, if you have my commands and you obey me, you're the one who loves me. He says, my followers, they actually, they actually take this stuff to heart. They do what I say. Now, it's not that the fact that I do what he says that makes me a follower, but it's the fact that he's transformed my life to the point where I recognize I'm gonna follow, I, I've surrendered to him to follow him. My obedience doesn't save me. He saves me. But if he changes me, then... You know, he gives me the strength to obey. He flips the switch on my plan, my agenda. Now I, I get on board with his agenda. But he says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Then he says, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. What he's saying is, you want to know more about me? You want me to reveal more of myself to you? You want to see more of me, Jesus is saying? Then you need to obey me. If we want to grow in our understanding of who Jesus is, if we want to See him and his ways more clearly. The path is obedience. You choose to obey. It brings his ways into focus when we do. Second, whenever we choose to obey Jesus' commands and really learn to obey, life goes well. Deuteronomy 5.29 Life goes well for those who choose to obey. God wants us to experience both the blessing of walking with him, both the, in, the tangible blessing and then the intangible ways that he he works in our lives he wants us to experience his favor in our lives look at what he promises deuteronomy 529 says oh that there this is a desire 
He says to the people of Israel, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. You see, there's this desire that God, through careful obedience, that's the key for the people of Israel, and that's the key for us still. It's essential for us to carefully obey Him. That we'd incline our heart to want to fear Him. That we'd, that we'd draw near to Him and that we would desire to keep watch over all His commands and start obeying His commands. As we do that, He says, life goes well. Look at, look at this verse. There's a generational effect from this passage. If you choose to obey, look at the generational impact so that it might go well. There's this desire on God's part to bless my kids, my, my grandkids. He wants to, you know, there's this effect of our obedience on others. A great deal of the good that, that I've experienced in life and that you've experienced in your life may have come through the choices your parents made years before you were ever on the scene. In many cases, that's, that's the reality. Some of the good you've experienced is because your parents took walking with Jesus very, very seriously. And that's not the case for everyone here, but for many people. You've experienced some generational blessing because of them taking Jesus very seriously. One of the reasons why I can't sing and agree with Miley Cyrus's take on it's our party, we can do what we want, one of the reasons why I can't really sing that, and it's catchy, but one of the reasons why I can't really sing that is because I love my kids too much. I love my kids and I want what's good for them. I want what's good for my grandkids, and so I want them to go further in life and in their walk with God than I went with God. I want them to to cruise past the places of growth that I've had because of this blessing. But my obedience right now can set the stage for their future, is what Scripture says. Finally, when we choose God's blueprint for life, we find this out, that we're able to weather the storms. If we build on this, we can weather the storms, especially you see this over a long period. You don't always see this when you're in the middle of the storm, but over a lifetime, over decades, you see how God strengthens you through hard things. Look at Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Trouble comes in life. Storms come up in life, and they're inevitable. And every time they come, what is happening is our foundation is being tested. Whatever we have chosen to build our life upon, our blueprint, you know, that determines the strength that comes in the midst of the storm. Look at what he says in Matthew 7. Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he's like a wise man. Circle and at the top. Therefore, everyone who hears these... Oh, you don't have this in your... Circle it. It's not there, but circle it. (laughs) You know, hears these words and puts them into practice. This is critical. Hearing and putting into practice. That person's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. The rock is hearing and putting into practice Jesus' words. That's the strong, firm foundation. Then the next verse is the flip side. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, it's kind of like this, goes in one ear, out the other. Whoever does that is like a foolish man, you can put, or woman, who put his, who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the same trouble comes. The rain comes, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash devastation. Jesus tells us that hearing alone will not provide the strength that we need to endure the storms and the trials of life. Only those who hear and then respond will make it through the devastation. 
Now, this is important to get hold of. I often hear people say, or I bump into people that, that say, you know, I tried that Jesus thing. I tried the church thing. It didn't work for me. didn't work. Tried it. didn't work. I'm off doing something else. And oftentimes what I think they mean is I attended church. I heard some sermons. Occasionally I got some chills. And I'm like, whoa, that, wow, it's like God spoke to me. But I didn't take the risk of obedience. I didn't get involved with people. I didn't, I didn't obey the things that I know He wants me to do. I got focused and frustrated on other things. And rather than taking the next step of obedience, I got caught on something else out there. And so I, I heard the words, but I didn't put them into practice. And so the storms came and wiped people out. And over the long period of time, you see this occur. It doesn't happen tomorrow, but it's, it's, it's really over lifetime. And in many cases, people hear the word, nothing changes, because one hour meeting is not enough to grow the life of a fully devoted disciple, a follower of Jesus. You actually have to start doing something with it. You have to take initiative. All of us are responsible to get into this for ourselves and to begin applying it to our lives. And I know, you know some of you are college students, new to, new to Riverside, you know, school starting up. This is your, maybe if you're a freshman, this is your first opportunity to really begin to get some traction apart from pressure. You know, other people saying, you've got to do this. Now it's your choice. And so you, you get to grow because you want to grow. And for, for everyone else that's here, you're here because most likely you, you want to be here to grow. And to, the, to then take the next step and to, to hear the words of Jesus and then to put them into practice today, tomorrow, that's your choice to build on that foundation. In many cases, people, they just take it in. They just hear. It goes in one ear, out the other. And then the storms come, and, and there is great devastation. I want to show you a, a video. This is a testimony video from some friends of mine who moved here with us to start this church. And so they came six years ago, planted this church with us. They moved here. They sold their home where they were living. They moved 40 minutes east to help us start this church. And they made a commitment. To, for two years, they said, we're going to move here. We're going to be a part of planting this church from just a few families. And, and we'll be faithful to attend. We'll be involved in groups. We're going to serve. We're going to give. We'll do whatever it takes to lay the foundation of OCC. And within two years of moving here, a major test came their way when he lost his job. And so um, their commitment was up. I'm going to let the video kind of tell the story. But I want you to hear how the role that the scriptures played in their life when they were dealing with some of the emotions that come up when you have a storm hit. So let, let's go ahead and watch this. I lost my job in 2009. I was with the company uh, for about five or six years, and uh, they had downsized. And uh, we had just, uh, we had been out on the church plant for about a year. Um, into it uh, when that happened. And you said that there was a possibility for you to keep the job if we chose to move to Ohio. So, of course, that was a temptation. I mean, we had been on this church plant for a year, maybe two? Yeah, maybe two. two. Yeah. So, officially, technically, we, were, we could be released from this commitment. And um, so that was a big temptation to think, well, we could just go and I know for me, that would have completely been a decision based on fear. 
because um, I think for you too, because we both had already talked numerous times that we felt like God had called us to stay here in Orange Crest until we felt Him moving us on through scripture, prayer, and um, just other people speaking into our lives. And we hadn't experienced that. All we were experiencing was the fear of, we don't have a job. A really good verse, it's one of my favorite verses, that um, it's in Proverbs 16.3. It's commit to the Lord, whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. And we knew that um, God wanted us committed to this church plan. And uh, that was our foundation. That was where we wanted to be. We knew that as long as we stayed committed to what God uh, had us doing, um, our plans would succeed. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean okay, now you have all this money or something like that, but he was going to take care of us. He was going to watch out for us. What I found was that holding on to a scripture, um, it's Psalm 37, 25. That was a big one for me during this time. And it says, uh, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. So it really prodded me on to stay firm in God's word and not just fall apart and give in to fear because that's not being righteous that's not being right before the Lord and doing life his way so um, so I would remember okay God is going to take care of our needs you know look at the flowers of the field and how they're clothed and you, how, how much more important are people to God than flowers so scriptures like that just really help me get a grip on doing what's right even though I was afraid or didn't feel like obeying God. And every time I didn't let go of a responsibility, every time I chose to be faithful to God's word, anything from clearing things up with friendships to being faithful in my parenting to um, my other responsibilities, um, I saw God come through for us um, financially as well as in relationships and always. Life was still sweet, even though it was hard. It was really hard and exhausting at times, but it was still good, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, so, yeah, is it, is it worth it to obey Jesus? Yes. Um, he, he, brings, he brings that peace. Uh, when, when you have all this chaos going on, um, you know, you're trying to weather the storm, um, Jesus is the one that uh, makes it concrete. Now notice what they're communicating in the storm. All of the emotion that comes up in the storm, the fear, different emotions, anger, frustration, God, where are you, the questions. The way they would anchor themselves in the storm is the scripture. Proverbs 16.3, DJ said. Just remembering God's promise through that. Anna quoting Psalm 37:25, or referencing uh, Matthew 6, where she's talking about God's provision in her life. So, so emotions they take hold of us, and that's when we start riding the emotion. We're just on the, we're out on the open ocean, just being tossed about. What 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 helps us just get a concrete grip on things is the Scripture. That's the you know teaching them to observe all that I've commanded as they're learning to just obey. Okay, here's what God said to us. Here's what God has said. These are the things we're going to get a grip of. See, the idea of teaching them to observe, the word observe, it means to watch, to guard, to keep fast. And so that's what they were doing. They were holding on to what was concrete rather than being tossed about. 
That's the major trial that came up. They, they dealt with it through Scripture. Now, the Great Commission, this passage, it, it's, it's really given to a group. It's given to the church. I didn't say this in any of the messages the last three weeks, but it's written, the verb, make disciples. This is written in second person plural, meaning it's written to all of us. We're to do this all together. We make disciples. We team up. We work together. You know, we celebrate baptisms together. We, we're instructed to observe all that Jesus commands. We're to do that in life together, in community. That's why groups are important. That's why service is important. That's why, you know, celebrations like baptism are, are important. We do that together. You know, if you're trying to make disciples on your own, you know, you're probably maybe spinning your wheels because that, that was evangelism. Reaching out was designed that you do that with other people. It was in the context of a group of people who are committed to living these things out alongside you. And so I want to encourage you in that. The good news, and this is in your listening guide, is Jesus is with us as we're building. He makes this promise at the end of, of Matthew 28. At the very end, he states these words. He says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're going to sing a song in just a little bit as we close. And the song is, is singing about how this is true. Never once... Have we been walking alone? He's with us as we're building. We can declare that. We can sing of his faithfulness. We can remind ourselves of this truth. And that's really helpful, the fact that he's, he is with us to help us build. These are, we're an encouraging reminder to those disciples who heard that just before Jesus ascended. This helps us still, knowing that he's with us. This, this is a blueprint, but it's not like a cookie cutter. Your life looks different than the person next to you. You can influence people who they can't influence. You have a God has dropped your life into a group of people who is um, unique. You have life experiences. He's given you abilities, talents, gifts, a personality, so that you could connect with a certain way, in a way with people that I, I couldn't connect with. And I have people you, you aren't connecting with. So we work together. But God has put you in that unique circle of family and friends, workplace, neighborhood, for a reason. If you don't make the most of this opportunity that he's given you, they're gone. That's the way opportunities work. They're right there. You, you take the opportunities. If you don't, you miss them. And years go by. You don't want to miss the opportunities he's presenting. There's two ways to build on Jesus' blueprint. Number one, just be, be careful to learn, to obey everything that Jesus has committed. Just like the architect and the construction person, they're looking very carefully at the plans. We need to take that same approach. And as we do this, there's all sorts of people looking on. And they're looking to see if our life is actually standing this test living jesus's way gives a solid foundation to deal with trouble and in family life and work and in ministry over time people look on and they see the blessing of god's of obedience in your life there's a harvest that grows out of choosing to follow jesus carefully it's a harvest though this mentality is sometimes the things we're doing right now the steps of obedience they cannot be seen in days they can't be seen in months even some of the things that we're planting right now, you'll, you'll see the fruit of it in a decade from now. And we have to trust that obedience now, there's a harvest. There's, God is, God is going to work in that down the road. A, question, a key question that you're going to want to keep asking, this is not in your listening guide, is this question, what's my next step to obey? Rather than focusing so far out in the future that you miss right, what's right before you, what's, what's your next step to obey? What's he saying to you in your life? How does he want you to be growing? What's that step you're not taking? Just get real clear on that. And the second thing is this. The second way to build is to team up with the church. Team up with the church to fulfill the mission that Jesus is giving us. He wants us to help make more disciples. We'll team up with churches to do that. When you commit your life to Christ, it's a personal decision. 
If you've decided to become a Christian, that's a personal choice you've made. But it's not private. It's, it's natural for us to start thinking that, you know, we're growing. It's kind of like we're in a kayak. Here's a picture of a kayak. This is a new thing. If you become a Christian, you're kind of out there and you're just enjoying Isn't this a beautiful picture? You're just like, that looks refreshing. I'm out there just, wow. It's just, this is kind of like walking with the Lord. You're, you're learning new things. You're starting to get somewhere. It takes a while, but you're starting to actually get somewhere. You're seeing new things. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're exploring new territories. You're getting into the Bible. You're, you're not moving like the breakneck speed. You know, a kayak can only go a few miles per hour. <laughs> you know, three, four miles per hour, and you're really booking. Whew, you're getting somewhere. But then you look around very quickly. You look around in your Christian life, and you see others trying to grow. And you, you, tr- you see others trying to get in the Bible for, yourselves, for themselves as well, and you're motivated by them. Here's a picture of two people. You're like, hey, there's other people doing this thing. And you're like, hey, that's good, you know. That's an encouraging thing. I see him here too, and, and man, we're trying to grow together, and that's great. But reality, Christianity is, is more of a team effort. It's like a rowing crew, not like the sport of kayaking. A rowing crew is going to fly past a single kayak because rowing crews can just, they can book it. Well, not really. I mean, I would looked it up. It's like 17, 18 miles per hour. But that's booking it if you're in a kayak, and you're just like... <laughs> And so if you're trying to kayak and you've not yet decided, I need to team up with people, then I would encourage you, I'd urge you, team up. Team up with a local church. Team up with us. We, as a church, we've been pulling hard since we've started. And we've been stretching ourselves to launch this church, launch new groups. Many people through the year, through that past six years have stepped up and have been bearing a greater load. What might seem like a 100-yard dash, it's more like a cross-country team, honestly where we're just working together. Endurance is really important. So thank you for those of you who serve so faithfully, who have teamed up. The Great Commission can only be fulfilled as we team up to do more together than, than what we couldn't do on our own. For instance, right now, our kids' ministry, we have many kids in the gym and in a few other classrooms, and it's like Kids Zone is not about child care. It's not babysitting for us. We want to teach our kids what it means to obey everything that Jesus has commanded if our kids can develop from this church a real walk with Jesus early on in their life, it can help them avoid some of the pain they would bring on themselves if they just adopted a different blueprint. If you teach in Kids Zone, I know many of you do, uh, you play a crucial role in church life in helping us train the children of OCC. But the blueprint also shapes the way that we approach how we teach our kids on Sunday mornings or even how I, I teach through the Scripture on Sunday mornings. We're trying to uncover how do we obey, how do we understand, but then what do we do with it? A second question that Jesus' followers keep needing to ask is this. It's, how can I serve in the church as part of his team? This is not in your listening guide, but it's, it's free for you today. How can I serve in the, in the church as part of his team? A, a, a real follower of Christ is asking this question constantly. How can I team up with others to accomplish more? If you're here this morning and you are dabbling in your relationship with Jesus. Dabbling means, uh, you know, just kind of dabbling around. Or you're dabbling with church and commitment. Sometimes we're waiting for that perfect opportunity to come up. You know, or that perfect church to come up. And if you're from a really big church, we're not a big church. You're like, ah, it's hard. It's so used to a big church and all the things that the big churches have. And and I don't know if I... Or if you're from a really small church, ah, it's, it's too big for me or... I don't know where you're coming from, but if you're here and you're dabbling in church or in your relationship with Jesus, you know, I like certain singing certain kinds of songs, or I like a certain kind of style of 
of teaching. You know, all of that is fine. We all have our preferences. I have my preferences. You have your preferences. The truth is this. There's a lot of good churches here in this area. Don't let your dabbling continue for too long. You have preferences? Find a place that is standing on the Bible as their guide and says, this is what we build on, and get yourself involved there. Team up with them or team up with us. Find out what churches are about. Get involved. Start learning to obey all that Jesus has commanded. Because if all you ever do is dabble all of your church life and bounce from one place to the next, looking for that perfect place, you're going to build a life out of that. We see that as dabbling. We may just say, oh, this is dabbling. What God says is that's construction, and you're building a life. And it won't support you when the storms come. And so we want to encourage you, don't dabble. Build from his blueprint. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And as the worship team comes up, and as the ushers prepare to receive this morning's offering, I would ask you to take out that connection card. Take this thing out. Look at some of the next steps that we have on the back of this connection card. And in just a moment, when the ushers come around, you're going to want to drop this card in that offering basket. Make sure that we have the information you wanted to give us. So anything about how to get in touch with you or any requests for information. Um, these next steps are practical ways that you can apply this week's message to your life. So here's a few suggested next steps. One is obey Jesus by, if there's a specific step, or the second one is take a step beyond hearing. Maybe there's an area you, you feel like, yeah, I've heard a lot about that, and I really know a lot about that. Now, what's the step beyond hearing that you need to take? What is it? Maybe jot that down. Keep that for yourself and drop that in the basket as well. And then, Or third, pray about teaming up with OCC. Like I said, just... Find a place and then get involved. Get plugged in. Next week we're going to be sharing, we've been sharing about groups. Next week we're going to be sharing one more way that you can team up with us here at OCC. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for, again, your word. Thank you for the promise that you are with us to the end of the age. And God, that we, and as we're about to sing that, the truth of that verse, Lord, help us to sing it really believing that that's true, that you are with us at the end of the age, and that you've been with us walking through this life. Thank you for each person here. I, I just pray for each one, Lord, to just recognize that we stand before you on our own. We might be here because someone else has put us up to it, or, or because that's just what we always did. But we stand before you as individuals, and so we have to answer to you on our own and personally. And so, God, I pray that you would personally challenge, continue to draw us into a real relationship with you, but then challenge us to real growth with you. Lord, thank you for everyone here. I pray that they would experience the strength that you provide. Thank you so much for the grace that you pour into our lives where we just can't pull it off on our own, where we have failed. Lord, you've filled in all the gaps through sending your son Jesus to give us, provide forgiveness of sin and then transformation for a different kind of life. Just thank you for, for all of that. Lord, help us not to take any of the credit for our obedience, but to recognize that all of that is highly dependent on you. You help us to pull these things off. So we ask you for the strength to continue to do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We also lift up the offering. Just use it, God, to help us further your kingdom.